This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. 2 p.m. kickoff in the city of Seattle, 5 o'clock starting time here in East Lansing, Michigan. Game will be broadcast on Peacock, which is NBC's streaming service. So you can go online and sign up for that. Make sure you spell it right. But uh, uh, streaming service, and for those who haven't done streaming before, this is pretty much going to be the wave of things going forward. So you better get used to streaming services because I think we're going to see a lot more of that especially next year when uh, we move to the pack, uh, the Big Ten. Um, hey, Chris, would you expect more streaming next year like this on Peacock for Washington games? Or I haven't followed that much in how that contract works with the Big Ten. Well, I mean, yeah, the move to the Big Ten means that, that if you're going to see more streaming, it will happen through NBC, which is Peacock for streaming. So, yes, I mean, short answer would be yes. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to follow that. But again, five o'clock kickoff and just the stuff off the field back here at Michigan State. Um, I don't know what I'm going to be walking into with all the stuff with Mel Tucker going on. Mark D'Antoni, D'Antonio uh, being elevated. Harlan Barnett is the interim uh, coach right now. And the what is it? The 2014 Rose Bowl team will be coming back. And then in addition, First time in the history of the stadium that they will allow beer sales. And, you know, Chris, this is kind of interesting, too, because back in the day, we all know, remember going back to the Kingdom and back then buying beer at the stadiums when if you ordered a beer, you'd get it in a cup. Now you get it in cans. And I'm sure that's because it's just a lot faster to, um, you know, serve a can than it is the draft beers. But uh, are you kind of surprised that they actually sell cans of beer in stadiums? A little bit, but not not totally. I mean, it's just again, you know, going to professional games and things like that. It's to me, it's such a different atmosphere than going to to a college football game. And I haven't gone to a college football game as a fan in a long, long time, so I, I don't know um, what it's going to be like there today. But it's just you know, selling beer for the first time ever uh, the weekend of the time where you just basically essentially just fired your head coach i mean he's you know mel tucker's suspended but let's be real the guy's he's gone and and so you know the fire the the fan base is going to be fired up i mean they're going to be just they're going to be out for blood and so yeah i mean there's a lot of things going against washington in this particular game from an intangible standpoint there's no question about it it's yeah, I'm expecting it to be crazy in there. And that's why, you know, we'll talk about it in a little bit. That's why I think it's key for Washington to get a fast start. But, Scott, you know, the word is that the staff at the stadium is taking down any name, image and likeness whatsoever of Mel Tucker. It's all being removed from the stadium. Well, that's not a surprise. I mean, he's 
he's the face of the program typically, and he has brought disgrace to the program. <clears throat> Whether he's guilty or not of something illegal or whatever, um, you know, who knows? But you know, he he definitely put a black eye on things, and and the school's going to divest itself from anything that has to do with him. And people can get upset about that, or they can understand that. You know, in this climate nowadays, you just can't do what he did. Uh, and, you know, um, it, it's sad because I thought he was a good coach. And um, I thought he was a guy who could be an up and coming coach and, and be a, a really good one down the road. But, you know, he's he's made some choices and and uh, we'll, we'll just have to see what happens. But, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that they've that they've divested themselves from anything that has Mel Tucker's image on it. Yeah, he had a what was it, a 10 year, 100 million, 10 year, 95 million dollar contract. And he's two years in. But evidently he had a clause in his contract that said if he embarrassed the university in any way deemed reasonable, that he could be fired for cause. Um, he just left 80 million dollars on the table because the university has been embarrassed and uh, they'll go through the process. But he just left 80 million dollars on the table, Chris. Well, right, and that's why no one should be surprised that he's fighting all of the charges that have been made against him because he has so much money that's on the table that he's going to be fighting for. Um, because at the end of the day, whether he's fired for cause, fired not for cause, it, he, he's still going to be gone, and he's still got these sexual harassment charges that he's got to deal with on top of it, which he's been saying full on that, you know, the funny part about it is, is that even if he says it was consensual and all this other stuff, I'm not going to get into it, but he's already admitted to like arguably the most salacious part of the charge. So it's like, how can that not be embarrassing to the school? I mean, I'm, I'm really kind of struggling to, to kind of square the circle with him on that. But bottom line is when you have that much money on the table, guys, <laughs> he's, he's going to do everything he can to try to keep his nest egg. So I'm not surprised on that score. Scott, has he become as toxic? I mean, is he ever going to get another job? Is he more toxic than Art Bryles from Baylor? Is he ever going to work again? Oh, boy. That's a, that's a good question. I, you know, I haven't really thought that much about it. I mean, I'm always for giving people second chances, especially if they find out that a lot of this stuff was false or, you know, whatever, you know. But, boy, I, I just have, like I said, with, with, the way things are going nowadays with, you know, with Title IX the way it is and, and the Me Too movement that that happened a few years ago and all those different things that are coming up with all this. I just it's it's really hard for me to see a uh, state university hiring somebody uh, like him as a head coach. You know, maybe he's a coordinator somewhere. Maybe he's maybe he he just kind of lays in the in the back and, and you know, just does his stuff and, and doesn't isn't the face of a program anymore. I don't know, but um, I have a hard time seeing him ever being a coach at a, at a high, you know, power five D one level school. Yeah. Just to be clear, um, you know, Mark Antonio, the former head coach there has come in as an associate head coach. Um, Harlan Barnett is the head coach. And from our talking to our Michigan state guys, it's not going to be D'Antonio running the show. It's going to be Barnett. Uh, I asked if, you know, the chances of Barnett actually, um, you know, being named the head coach and they say just they'd be shocked if anything ever happened to that, where that would happen. But this is Harlan Barnett's show. So um, with the game today, Chris, Washington, I'll keep a key eye on it because I'll be in the stadium pretty early. But they could be missing a couple of key pieces today. Yeah, absolutely. They could. Um, 
again, it's it's kind of weird because I think if I would go in, in, into this game today as a Washington fan, I'd be thinking that the guys that got dinged up during the Tulsa game probably won't be playing, and the guys that didn't play in the Tulsa game probably are going to play. So to to put that into perspective with the actual players involved, I, I happen to I think that um, you know Zion Tupola Fatui. Um, Fatui Tuatele, you know, these are guys that Kalen DeBoer, they, they didn't play against Tulsa, and Kalen DeBoer said this week that they, they, they should be ready to go. So I would expect those guys to be available, but then you look at Mateo Mele, you look at Asa Turner, you look at Devon Banks, I think all those guys are definitely in question. We're going to be looking pregame today to see if those guys even travel, let alone are out there and are practicing or warming up full speed. So those those are kind of the, some of some of the guys that I'm going to be interested in, in checking out during warmups. Yeah, um, Scott, if uh, would they lose Turner or Mele, um, Banks, I think they have enough depth there. But if, um, if they lose Asa Turner or um, Mateo Mele, which one's going to have the bigger impact? Well, I, I would say it's probably going to be Melee. Not that Parker Brailsford isn't isn't a competent kid, because I think he's already shown himself to be a pretty competent player, and and he's been one of the highest graded guys on the team. But you know that that front seven of Michigan State is really really strong and really really good. And I think if Washington had their druthers, they would rather have Melee at center and Parker Brailsford at right guard instead of if if there's an issue and Brailsford has to be the starter, I think that you're probably looking at Bulow and Nate Kalepo as your two guards. And I don't think that's a horrible thing. Those guys can do, get the job done. I just don't know if they're as explosive as what could be the case. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I, I think, uh, you know, Noah Kim, is he really that great of a passer down the field? I don't know. Um, I, you know, Michigan state's got, got a couple of decent receivers, pretty good receivers, but, um, you know, Cameron Fabi Kulanen, you know, knock on wood, this is a guy that the last two weeks has made some plays and um, has shown himself to be much better in coverage than we had seen in previous years. So, um, you know, he's probably the first guy off the bench for Asa Turner. He was uh, last game after Turner got hurt. Um, we're also going to probably see a lot of Mikel Steen and Vince Nunley. So like you said, Kim, there's there's a lot of a lot more bodies to throw in there. I don't know if they're necessarily, um, you know, in, in better shape uh, than than the the start you know the guys who have to step in but uh, they have more bodies to throw in whereas along the offensive line you really only you know you don't want to play any you, you take away five uh, four guys um, that are just not ready at all and that's the that's for the freshmen the only freshman who's even going to be traveling probably is uh, Landon Hatchet so um, a lot of things just to kind of keep an eye on early in the game and see how things uh, pan out. And just real quick, I expect Devin um, uh, um, Bryant, the linebacker. Why am I spacing on his name? Devin Bryant. I expect Devin Bryant to uh, uh, travel and see a little bit of time. But so you guys, don't, so you guys don't think Tabo Rogers is traveling? I think he probably did. Yep. I was oh, real, real quick. I meant, I meant when I when I said that, I meant just of the offensive linemen. The oh. only freshman that's traveling is is uh, Landon Hatchett. Right. Sorry. Just a couple things real quick. First of all, um, yeah, I, I think if 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 Cam Fabiculanen ends up, if he's truly turned a corner like we've kind of seen these first two games, then having him come in for Asa Turner is a much easier fix than having Parker Parker Brailsford slide in and be center 
for Matteo Melli because Parker Brelsford's never had to start at center for one thing. And and you put out a really good article, Scott, kind of laying out some of the the possible scenarios if Matteo Melli couldn't play today. Um, I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see if they bring in Garen Hatchett to be the right guard and just slide him Parker Brelsford over to center, or if they literally just swap out Brelsford for Melee and have the two guards be the guards that we thought were going to be starting the season with Julius Bula at left guard and um, Nate Kalepo at right guard. So they, they do have options, and you yeah. laid it out in the article on Dogman if people want to take a look at it. Um, but I think they, you know, it is again one of those situations where I think they really tried to learn on both sides of the ball from last year. Uh, because of the problems that they had with the secondary last year and all the guys going down. I think both sides of the ball really tried to shore things up, so they had a number of solutions in case guys started to go down a little bit. Hey, Scott, with, um, you know, Fabi Cool, I, I don't expect I, – I, right now, uh, today, I'd be surprised if I see Asa Turner uh, playing. But with, you know, Cam Fab there, you've got two guys that have played safety before in Dominique Hampton and um, Mish Powell. Could you see any of them moving back to that spot and bringing in another guy? Yeah, I could, but we didn't see that last week. So um, I, I think Mish Powell is a much better fit at at uh, at the Husky spot. And I think Fabi Kulanen is probably much better at the safety spot. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's all. <laughs> Heck, we aren't at practice. You know, we don't get to watch practices anymore now that fall camp is over with. So, you know, we don't know exactly what things are going to look like. You know, we're just kind of playing a little bit of a guessing game to see how the coaches are going to do it. But, you know, from everything that we've seen, especially during fall camp, when guys would rotate in and do different things, it was Fabi Kulanen at safety and, and Mish Powell at, uh, at the Husky spot. And honestly, I think sometimes it's better to – if you have a guy who's really strong in one position, it's probably better just to leave him there and figure out your other position rather than weaken two positions. I have a quick, yeah. I have a quick point on that too. I was just thinking about that this morning. You know, you depending on what what goes on, Michigan State looks like they're going to try to run the ball a little bit. Obviously, I mean they've got Nathan Carter, the the UConn transfer, who's played pretty well their first couple of games. I'm kind of wondering whether or not. Chuck Morrell and, and and Juice Brown would think about maybe bringing in Dom Hampton as the Husky and putting Mish Powell back there a little bit. With Hampton, obviously, you've got that size, a little bit more bulk, closer to the line of scrimmage, maybe help things out in the run in the run defense a little bit. Is that something to think about? I don't think that's yeah. a bad thought, but I I, I still think uh, Mish Powell's pretty darn good in the slot and pretty close to the line. So he, I think you could go either way on that. You know, and I think the key the game today is going to be Washington needs to get off to that fast start. They've been notorious at times for getting off to those slow starts. I think if they uh, win the toss, they need to take the ball. I think if Michigan State wins the toss and defers the second half, it's a mistake. Um, You need to get this offense on the field. You need to start fast and you need to get ahead because like we mentioned, Chris, like you mentioned, they're going to want to run the football. They're going to want to shorten the game. They, I think they will want to shorten the game. I think they, you know, and that's going to be a key when we start talking about what Washington's going to have to do uh, again in terms of defensively. They've got to make sure that they make Michigan State drive long fields. They have to force Noah Kim into being a guy who who can be proficient distributing the ball. 
you know, taking care of the ball. You know, turnovers are going to be huge in a game like this, obviously. Um, you know, so they've got to make them go long fields. E- even if that is something that plays into Michigan State's hands a little bit, they still, Washington still has to make Michigan State prove that they can match Washington, right. you know, uh, you know, basically series for series. Right. And Scott, getting off to that fast start, I, like, again, I, I think it's the key to the game today. Absolutely is key. I mean, you, if, if you make them have to open up the ball, open up the their offense and start throwing the ball down the field, I think that only plays into what Washington wants to do. I think, like you guys have already mentioned, if Michigan State can just grind out, uh, you know, series against Washington and grind down the clock and hold the field uh, time of possession and everything like that, I think that's really going to be an issue for Washington. So if Washington can get a couple quick strikes Maybe maybe get out to a 10, 17 to, you know, three, 17 to 10 lead and and but start hitting on those long throws. I think Washington's um, going to make Michigan State have to open up their offense a little bit. And I also think if they can hit on some of those long throws, it's going to open up things along the along the front seven and, and allow Washington to to um, run the ball a little bit more. But, uh, yeah, I, I think Washington. When they when they want to drop back, I think I don't. Again, I've said it several times. Other than Florida State and Ohio State, I don't know if there's any way that you could say there's a better passing game in the country than Washington's. I think Washington's passing game is better than anybody's, um, or or at least as good as anybody in the country. And with the threats that they have with Jalen Polk, Jalen McMillan, with Romo Dunsey, and then Jeremy Bernard, who should be starting at you know, probably 90% of the schools in this country, I, I think Washington's in great shape to really open things up and really hurt uh, Michigan State down the field because their weakness on the defense is the secondary, and Washington can exploit that. Yeah, Chris, we talked to Stephen Brooks, the guy from the uh, Spartan Tailgate on the Michigan State 24-7 site, and it's, it sounds like th- their front seven, they uh, brought in a couple of defensive tackle uh, transfers. The linebackers are OK, but if there's an area of concern, it's going to be the uh, secondary. And I know that people want to see Washington run the football and open that up. But why would you when your their weakness is uh, their defensive secondary and you've got Michael Penix and all the weapons? Well, true. And, and, and if you go by the stats that they've had the first couple games, it's pretty clear that they've been able to put a lot of pressure at the line of scrimmage. And clearly they're going to want to try to do that as well. And if they can do that with just four players, that really bodes well for the Spartans because if they can, you know, drop seven, if they can really start disguising things and, 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 and putting things in a way in the back end that confuses Michael Penix, because we saw that happen a little bit like at UCLA, for instance, UCLA was able to really kind of disguise some things and they were able to get a couple interceptions and they were able to put enough pressure uh, at the line of scrimmage on Penix that it really affected him. Um, if they can do that, then that, that would be huge for Michigan State because I think right now they have, what, 10 sacks through the first two games and and and, and have um, a number or, or even, even more than that, I think like 23 tackles for loss. In the first two games, those are big numbers. Those are numbers, frankly, guys, that I think we were expecting out of Washington because of all of the the hype and and all the thoughts that we and the things that we had seen from the Huskies 
going into the season, all the players like Trice and ZTF and all these guys, but it's, it's Michigan state. That's really done some, some big things. And, and you have to look at guys like Zion young. Now, Jacoby Winman is a guy that today I'm going to be looking for a bright and early in the warmups because there's a thought that he may not even be available. And if he's not available, that could be big uh, for Washington. But, you know, for instance, Winman was a guy that had a lot of hype going into that game last year in Seattle and Seattle, Washington completely nullified him, took him out of the game completely. So that's a guy that you would, you know, if he does play, you, you want to take him out of the game. But, you know, Aaron Brule, for instance, uh, Simeon Barrow, who played in Seattle last year, who was kind of a non-factor. Uh, Adelaide, uh, Adelaide, the the transfer, I know he's been doing some damage. Um, I, Dre Butler is another guy that I've heard uh, in terms of a guy coming through that, that I think the Michigan State fans are expecting uh, right. big things from today. So there's a number of guys that Washington's going to have to deal with, uh, with with Michigan State's front. Yeah, and Scott, when we take a look at the rushing game, and I know people haven't been happy with the rushing game, but you know, 568 yards one week, 563 yards the next. I know they'd like to get the running game going, but I expect another big day from Michael Penix, and I don't care if they get the running game going or not. I just think that this uh, offense and this passing attack may be just too much for Michigan State. Kim, I get your point, but I think I, I still think that you need to be balanced. And I think the Husky coaches would tell you you need to be balanced. And and, you know, if they're getting five five yards of pop every time they run the ball, okay, maybe we can see that. And I think we'll probably see some receivers get some carries, whether it's end of rounds or or uh Jeremy Bernard just taking a straight up handoff and going, or Jalen McMillan getting a uh wildcat snap. But Washington does need to run the ball, but they don't need to run the ball to win games. They they need to run the ball um, at, at least in games like this. I don't think they need to run the ball. I think Washington can push the ball down the field and, and really hurt uh, Michigan state and that'll soften things up. But um, you know, it, yeah, you want, I think Washington wants to be somewhere in the hundred to 150 yard range running yeah. the ball and, and then throwing the ball, you know, if you're throwing for 350 to 400 yards and you're putting up, you know, somewhere between 500 and 600 yards every game, you're, you're, you're good to go. But um, I, I really think it would be better if Washington got the running game going, but they don't have to, like you've said, Kim. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, Chris, a uh, big addition back. I'm expecting uh, Tua Tele to be back on the defensive line, and he's obviously going to add some depth. Uh, ZTF uh, will be back. Um I just kind of get the feeling that Washington, the first couple of games, was trying to do some different stuff, more containing the edge and wasn't really focused on the pass rush. And the other thing is the first two teams that they played, uh, the quarterbacks were getting the ball out incredibly fast. So there's just no time to get to the quarterback. But I think with Noah Kim back there, they may have a little bit more of an opportunity to get to the quarterback. I think there is a lot of truth in that for sure, especially if Michigan State decides to, to do some play action and do does some more like you know three and five step drops out of the shotgun or does like even a full seven step drop which we almost never see because you have to do it out of the uh, out of the huddle or out of the behind center it's just so weird nowadays to see someone go that far back um it's possible um i think they're still gonna probably try to get the ball out really really quickly um, trying to watch a little bit of what Michigan State did against Central Michigan. I really didn't watch much of the their, their game against Richmond because it's just FCS opponents. Hard to to really get a great feel for for those games and how they go. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can I, you know Noah Kim's not going to be a super super elusive guy like a Taylor Green. He's not going to try to run around. I I don't see a ton of even designed runs for a guy like him, even though. We did see some of that for like Peyton Thorne last year when he was the, the Michigan State quarterback. So, yeah, I, I think there's just some some things that they may be able to heat him up a little bit. But again, if, if Michigan State has some success running the ball, then that could really soften things up for Michigan State down the field and and could give, you know, it might cause the linebackers to pause just a little bit. It, it, it opens some things up for them for sure. So Washington really needs to take care of things in the front first and force some some third and long situations where they can bring in a lot of their edge players, guys like Voitanufi to come in and be like one of those specialists that can really try to heat up Noah Kim and make his life tough. Sounds like the coaches have been, uh, you know, grading Braylon Trice out pretty well. Sounds like he's been getting double and triple teamed and been the focus. So it'll be interesting today to see how that plays out, especially getting to a tailored back as we expect. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, you, you, you really if you watch him, guys, if you really kind of spotlight him when Washington's on defense, you can tell he's getting doubled and chipped and. And, and also, you know, they're they're throwing receivers at him. They're throwing tight ends at him. They're throwing running backs at him. And, yeah, I mean, he is getting a ton of focus. And so, like, for instance, Kim, you mentioned, like, the Tulsa game, how maybe the focus up front was a little bit more contained. You know, the ball's getting out quicker. I agree with a, a lot of that. But I think also there's teams that both Boise State and Tulsa max protected. I mean, they really did. They, they really – focus their efforts on a guy like Trice and in the Tulsa game specifically with no ZTF in there on the other side to really balance things out. Um, it was a lot easier 
for the Golden Hurricane to really focus on Trice and to to kind of nullify him and take him out because uh, unless a guy like Tanufi is really getting in there and being a consistent presence which they haven't really asked him to be that guy yet from the edge. Maybe that will happen a little bit later in the year. But until they, you know, if, if they don't have ZTF there to balance things out, it's a little tougher go because then you're asking, you know, Himes to do it. You're asking Sakai to do it. You're asking some of these these guys that are newer to getting those kinds of snaps, the, the, that kind of volume of work. That's new for those guys. So it's easier to take a guy like Trice out of the game that way. And Scott, when you take a look at the first couple of games and you take a look at Michael Penix in the pocket and he's sitting back there, he's looking at his reads. One, two, three, four, back to one, back to two. You take a look at what the other teams have been doing. They're lucky if they get to the second progression. Well, yeah, I mean, a little bit. I mean, Washington's pass protection has been really good. And I think I don't think that's any surprise considering how well they did last year and, and what they, what they returned and, and got the experience they got and everything like that. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't really seen as much from um, the, the opposing team, partly because they've, they're just doing their best to get the ball out quickly. But, and the other thing is too, one thing I just want to go back to what you guys were talking about with Trice and stuff. Washington has rarely run any stunts. And they rarely, I think they've been very vanilla up front. Um, and I, and I think you'll see that changed against Michigan State. So, um, but yeah, I, I mean, Michael Penix is going through a lot of his reads and, and, but part of it's because he knows what he's doing. You have way more experience back there than, than, uh, Tulsa and Boise State had coming, coming in with the guys that they ended up having to play and or start. One of the things that a lot of people are bringing up, and I know you guys totally disagree with me, but the whole grass versus turf thing, I don't think it's that big of a deal, and people are making a bigger deal out of it. Uh, um, I know that the record says otherwise, but, you know, hey, Penix has played at uh, Spartan Stadium before. He's played in grass. He's used to it. Well, it's easy pickings, right? Because both both games they lost last year on grass. So people are. And one was to a very bad Arizona State team. Yeah, people are going to look at that as an easy target. Um, but yeah, I mean, when, when you when you bring it up with the players, they kind of laugh and say, well, "We grew up playing on grass. We played high school all the time on grass. Grass is not a problem." You kind of have to agree with them, right? I mean, it's just yes, I. It, it's again, it's like co- correlation, causation. It's there. You can make it if you want, but unless you get like a large sample size over many, 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 many years where Washington's always struggled on grass, which, you know, most of the time, if they're going to struggle on grass, guys, what's also the other factor that's involved? They're on the road. And playing on the road and winning on the road is not easy. I don't care where you're playing. You know, they've had struggles against Stanford at times when Stanford was horrible. But that game's on grass. Well, does that mean because it was on grass they're going to struggle? No, it's as much to do with the fact that they're on the road. You've been on the field at Arizona State. That is the weirdest grass I've ever seen. It's like, it's well, like me. People, it's people like also me. have to remember, Kim, that game was like at what, 1.30 in the afternoon or something? I mean, it was yeah. 100, yard, 100 degrees out, even though it was like October. It's yeah. like, you know, I mean, it's just, there were a lot of things going on in those two games. I mean, I remember, you know, people were saying, oh, it was because Herm Edwards had just gotten fired and their whole team rallied together. There may have been a certain element of that, 
But people have to remember, that game was played in early October. Herm Edwards was fired in mid-September, okay? There had been like two or three weeks of games before Arizona State played Washington. Well, I'll make sure to get... I'll make sure to get low and I'll get a picture of how long the grass is. I'll stick my finger in and take a picture and then you guys can see how, how long the grass well, is. This if you, if you look, Kim, if you look at the, if you go uh, on YouTube and you look at the highlights between Michigan state and like central Michigan, for instance, you might have a hard time even figuring out that it's a grass field. Yeah. I mean, it looks like turf from, from video. It, it look, I mean, it's, we're not talking about a Notre Dame USC thing. With, you know, in the Reggie Bush era where, you know, Notre Dame wanted to make it a foot high, you know, to, to cause a real problem for the opponents. That's not that that's not like it at all. I mean, it's it looks it looks like, uh, you know, a country club lawn. It, it looks really good. So I, I don't see why there's going to be any issues with it at all today. Temperature expected at five o'clock start here in East Lansing. Temperature is expected to be in the low 70s and probably get into the low 60s by the end of the game. Don't expect weather to be a factor at all. Uh, Scott, some of the concerns that people then, you know, the Washington's attempted what one field goal this year. Yep. And he missed it. Yep. Well, look, he hit the crossbar. So I mean, he still inches, missed it two inches one way or another. And it's good. Um, you know, but, uh, I don't know. I'm not that concerned about it. You know, I'm not concerned about it now. No, I'm not. Um, part of it was if you watch the replay, the laces. I hate to, I hate to have a um, pet detective uh, quote here, but the laces were not out. You know, they were they were facing him, and it's not. And I know it sounds weird, but it is very hard to kick when you're kicking the laces. That's just how it is. Oh my God, it's a Ray Finkel moment. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Hey, hey, Chris, uh, Washington always seems to have something in their back pocket. They always seem to dial something up. Would they do the flea flicker in the Alamo Bowl What on the first play at Texas? How long do you think it's going to take for Washington to pull the rabbit out of the hat uh, on today's game? I I don't know. It's a good question, Kim, because honestly, I mean, Ryan Grubb just he it's like, you know, he's the mad scientist up there, like like a Norm Chow type. But I, I just get the sense that he really game plans by feel. You know, every every offensive coordinator and play caller scripts their plays to start. But I kind of wonder, like, if you look at the, the how the game against Tulsa developed and how they went to the reverses fairly early in the game because you could see that the Tulsa defense was really flowing to the ball hard. And the other thing is, is that they needed to generate a little bit of, of something in the backfield. And so that's why he got the, the the receivers going in the backfield a little bit. I was that's why I wanted to ask you guys a little bit. First play of the game. What's that? First play of the game. He's got two wide receivers lined up in the as tailbacks. Correct. He had Jalen McMillan. He had Jeremy Bernard. What I'm wondering is is that if we're going to see more of that, and it's not because they, those guys should be considered part of a gadget play or a trick play. I just think that that's the attempt by the offense to try to find their best guy with the ball in their hands. And right now, the best guys with the ball in their hands, even if it's in the backfield right now, I think it's the receivers. Yeah. You know, I think it's I think right now that if the if the ball is in Jalen McMillan's hands or in Jeremy Bernard's hands, that's almost better than having the ball in like Will Nixon's hands or Sam Adams' hands or Richard Newton's hands or Daniel Agata's hands or Dylan Johnson's hands. I mean, we don't know what Dylan Johnson's status is going to be for today. We assume he's available, but we just don't know. And it's that kind of uncertainty 
that I think lends credence to this idea that your best ball carriers right now are the guys that have the most success with the ball in their hands and that have had the ball in their hands the most. And right now, that's the receivers. And, Scott, when you talk about they had two wide receivers in the backfield, I can only imagine being a middle linebacker for Tulsa and going, what the hell is that? But it's also one of these things where Grubb and DeBoer are so forward thinking that may just be set up to get a look for something else they got in their back pocket with the same formation. Yeah, very much so. I don't I don't disagree with that. They they love to game plan for that kind of stuff. They love to show different things and make defenses work on different things. And maybe it's something they don't ever they don't pull out of their back pocket until later in the season when they play Oregon or something like that. So, uh, yeah, I, I just think a lot of it's just getting stuff on tape for for defenses to be worried about, and they'll pull it out when they're ready to pull it out. And guys, I, I would add to it real quick that it will serve. It does serve a dual purpose. I think like you were alluding to, Kim, yeah. not only does it does it get your best guys out there and get the ball in their hands quickly, but it does open up the idea that that they could be setting things up for other things to happen. Like they could just be getting straight handoffs one game and then the next game, maybe they're ball faking it and just getting a quick pass out to the flat, or maybe it's a toss or something where it's basically just considered an extended handoff because a lot of what Washington can do in their shorter passing game really should be considered just short, just, uh, just basically longer handoffs. Well, I take it back to it when Rick Neuheisel was here and it was, you know, as, as well, he did it with um, Marcus Tuiasosopa, but also with Cody Pickett, just running that option a little bit, just made the opposition that much more practice time that they had to spend looking at that. And I think Washington's doing a lot of things that are unusual, unusual sets, unusual motions that the defensive coordinator on the opposition is having to spend a lot of time on this stuff. Yeah. No, I mean, this. why did you think we... You know, we asked him about the the two point play with Jaden Green against Tulsa, and he you know said first of all that was Eric Schmidt all the way, special teams coordinator. So we asked Schmidt about it as well, and he kind of smiled and talked a little bit about it. But he also said flat out, he goes, you know, someone asked him, it, it may have even been you, Kim, uh, this week when you when you asked him, is that something you could see even out in the middle of the field, like at the fifty yard line or something? He's like, maybe, I don't know, we'll find out. And it's just, but there's like these mischievous grins. Because it's not beyond the realm of possibility with this crew. Because one of the things that they talk about and one of the things that the players really enjoy about this system is that, you know, they'll 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 kind of rep these trick plays. They'll rep these trick plays all year long. And you know that seasons have gone by with other staffs where they've repped trick plays. They might have trick ten trick plays over the season that they are those are true gadget plays that they never run. These guys will run one or two of those every single game. And so it keeps those guys on their toes. It keeps them engaged. And when they're practicing those things during the week, they're excited about it because they know this staff won't hesitate to pull those out. And Scott, if Washington is driving and they've got fourth and two on the 32 lining up for a, you know, if they're lining up for a uh, 49 yard field goal, why not do that formation? Because they can always go back to the regular formation. But uh, I'd say more often than not, if Michigan's if they did that in that situation, Michigan State's going to call a timeout. And you're going to make them burn a timeout. Uh, possibly. Yeah. Or uh, maybe you hit something. Who knows? But there's also the possibility that you got too cute and you missed something. So, you know, it's you know, I I've always been I trick plays are kind of fun. I, I mean, I grew up on Efren Herrera. 
you know, I'm pulling something out way from the back, back uh, <laughs> in the right. way back machine there. But I loved watching Efren Herrera, the kicker for the Seahawks, catch passes and things like that. I mean, that was great. But I'm I'm just a straight up football guy. I, I don't think Washington needs those trick plays, but I think it's kind of fun to run them. And like you said, it, it rewarded a guy like Jaden Green, who the only time you notice Jaden Green is when he does something wrong. And so, um, you know, when he gets out and gets a tackle or he gets to get out and, and catch a two-point conversion, you you do it and things like that. I don't think you're going to need it in this game. I think Washington can straight up beat Michigan State. But if we see something, I think it'll be interesting to see what, what they decide to run and, and what they decide is going to be their trick play. You know, another trick play that they ran, we didn't even talk about it against um, – I think it was Tulsa was when uh, was it was it, no I, I it was Boise State when McMillan uh, you know took that you know got a got a short pass from uh, Mike Penix which was a lateral and then he threw it down to um, uh, Jack West over and had to actually make a read because the safety was up over the top so Washington's got a lot of tricks in their bag that they can pull out when they want and when they get the right formation. But uh, I think Washington, I think you're going to see them play a lot of straight-up football, uh, at least early on. um, Scott, recruiting, it's different this year. Um, It doesn't sound like we're going to see that much more recruitment of high school kids. We'll see some, but uh, give people a brief overview of uh, what you're seeing when it comes to recruiting right now. Well, they have 12 guys committed for the 2024 recruiting class, and they'll probably – my guess is that you'll probably see 15 in the class, and I know that 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 number just freaks people out. Heck, you could see zero. You know, you could only see 12 end up signing in this class for all for all we know, um, because of the way things are going to go. The, one of the guys that they're recruiting is Jericho Johnson. He's the number one defensive tackle on the West Coast, and I think he's number two or three in the country. I don't have it pulled up right now, but um, you know, that's a guy that they're after, and they would take no matter what. There's there's a couple other guys they're still kind of talking to from the 2024 recruiting class. But for the most part, they're done with 2024 recruiting. They've already moved on to 2025 and 2026 guys, guys who are just starting their junior and sophomore years of high school. But a lot of their focus is starting to turn toward the portal and who's going to be portal available and guys who are going to be seniors uh, next year who are who are maybe buried in depth or. Maybe they're guys who are productive at an FCS or not FCS, I'm sorry, uh, an FBS program, but like a group of five school and want to play on a bigger stage. So Washington's coaches are definitely looking at those guys or a high end -end talent on a losing team. Yeah, high end talent on a losing team or high end talent that needs a change of scenery that maybe Courtney Morgan or or Eric Schmidt or, or Ryan Grubb or or William Inge had had um, relationships with. Um, before they came to the University of Washington, and 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 now uh, that guy has not succeeded at his school, but a change of of uh, scenery might do him some good. And so Washington's keeping an eye on those guys. So a lot of different things that are going to happen. The portal has opened up many new windows that Washington can can pursue um, guys through, and and uh, we'll just have to wait and see. But I could see anywhere from 10 to 15 portal guys come in, depending on how many guys Washington loses. To the NFL, you know, we're they're almost certainly going to lose Troy Fautanu, but are they going to lose Roger Rosengarten? We'll have to wait and see. 
Um, Jalen Polk is another one who's probably a fence guy that could could return and be the number one guy in the offense, or he could he could go to the NFL and maybe be a you know mid round draft choice and and find a home and start getting paid real money, not just nil money, but real money uh, to play football. So a lot of different guys that are going to have some decisions to make, but other guys who we know are gone, and and I think the coaches know are gone, and so they'll you know they don't want to have to put redshirt freshman guys in as the starters and rely on them. They want guys who have experience. Now, if the redshirt freshman proves to be better than the veteran that they bring in out of the portal, then all the better because that guy's here at least another year or two. Um, but I think Washington wants to sustain the success. They know that uh, quarterback is going to be a real different situation because Mike Penix is not going to be returning because he's graduating. So it's Dylan Morris, um, Austin Mack, and um, I'm totally drawing a blank on the guy who transferred in from San Diego State. But those guys, those guys are all uh, going to be battling for it, but they might even take a look at a quarterback position, you know, to, to bring someone in at least to battle for that starting pot spot. So lots of different things are going to happen. And I think the portal is going to be much bigger factor than people are giving it credit for. And Scott, if I had to, uh, you know, this early say who I think the focus would be, I think they'll definitely look for running back. I think they'll definitely look for tackles. Uh, and I think that they'll look for interior defensive linemen. Yeah, I, I'm not 100 percent sure on the running back situation because uh, Cam Davis can come back now. He's got his injury, so we'll have to see how he comes back. Um, Dylan Johnson can come back. Daniel Nagata come back. I think everybody except for Richard Newton can come back next year. And they've got Tybo Rogers in the in the wings, and he's probably going to get some carries this year. And whether he burns his redshirt or not is still kind of up in the air. But um, you know, I Will Nixon's back, so Washington will have a lot of guys in that room. And so unless they find a guy who's willing to come in and and not be the guy and possibly just be in a group of guys. Um, you know, they might not end up taking a running back in, in the class in the recruiting class. I'm pretty, I'm 99.9% sure they're not going to take one in the recruiting class. And I'm not sure that they'll, they'll uh, do one in the, uh, uh, portal either. But, uh, like you said, though, Kim, uh, you expect, you expect offensive line, you expect defensive line. I think Washington wants to get bigger and stronger. I think they like some of the young guys that they have. Uh, Lenius Davis is a guy who's coming off an injury, but I know the reports on him so far from Inoke Brechterfiddle have been like, you know, that guy's going to be a player for us when he's fully healthy. And he likes, he really likes Ramon Parker and Javon Parker and those guys, but those guys are the future, but they, they need somebody for the now and, and you're going to lose Thule and you're going to lose, um, uh, um, Ale, you know, Ulumu Ale, you're going to lose those guys. And so who do they have to replace them? Is Bandis that guy? I don't know. To Ataley that guy? I don't know because of his, his injury history. So, um, yeah, I think defensive line is definitely a spot. And I could see linebacker because you lose that Fawanu Ulafosio and you also lose, um, Raylan Goforth. So, um, lot, lots of stuff to consider. Set secondary, even in the sa- safety spot. If you can find an impact safety, which, Everybody's looking for an impact safety, but if you can find an impact safety, you go out and get him. Chris Fetters, let's go ahead and wrap it up. Five o'clock start here in East Lansing, two o'clock in Seattle, that three hour time difference. It always kind of crushes you, but uh, go ahead and wrap it up for us, Chris. Yeah, it's just it's going to be a really, really interesting test. Obviously, a really tough road test, regardless of what you think of Michigan State, whether they're better or worse than they were last season. Uh, It's always going to be tough when you go on the road. 
Big Ten environment. It's going to be kind of a, 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 a precursor to, to what 2024 is going to look like for the Huskies when they go on the road to other Big Ten schools. So I'm really excited today to see how they react. I think the, the it's going to be a true hostile road environment. The, the 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 beer thing just adds to it. I think it's just a weird timing thing that they would do that, considering they've already had two home games. Why would they pick the Washington game as the game that they would open beer sales up? Is is kind of beyond me. But it sounds like they did it for a reason. So we'll see what happens, and obviously we'll see very quickly how long it takes for that kind of initial surge of adrenaline and that kind of us against the the world mentality that Michigan State's trying to probably conjure up this week, how long that's going to, how long that's going to last. Is that going to last a series? Is that going to last a quarter? You know, cause eventually things are going to die down and, and they're going to get, you know, it's a business and it's just going to be straight football. And when you're talking just straight football, I just don't see a situation where, this Michigan State team, the way that they're, um, the way that they've been put together, and 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 how that coaching staff is going to have to try to put these things together, I just don't see how they're going to match with Washington. They they may be able to stop them for a series or two, and I do agree with you guys that I think getting off to a strong start is really important if to shut the crowd up, if for nothing more than that. But I I just don't see them being able to match them series for series. And I think Washington's defense is better this year and will and will maybe get the additional turnover or two that they're going to need on the road uh, when you're looking at some of those key elements to what's going to decide this game today. So, like I said, I think my prediction was 35-24. I don't see Washington scoring uh, just a ton, a ton of points, um, but I do see the defense being better this year than last year. And I do think that ultimately – you know, Washington will be able to pull out a relatively close game. They won't, they won't make the spread though. Hey Scott, before you wrap it up, I just want you to address one question. So will they sell more beer if Michigan state is ahead or sell more beer if Michigan state is behind? Ahead. Because people okay. start leaving if they're behind and they'll go eat, drink out in their tailgates. All right, but go ahead and wrap it up. Okay. Well, my my prediction was much closer than I think anybody else is on the on the predictions. I picked 34-28. I think Washington's going to struggle uh to um to stop the run. Um I think that's been a struggle all season. We've seen what they and that that running back that they have Nathan it's Nathan Carter, right? Nathan Carter. Yeah. Um yeah, he's oh my gosh, he is a, a dynamic runner. Hard to believe that that guy was at uh um, Connecticut, you know, I, I mean, that guy, that guy is a physical running back. He can do it all. I mean, he's a future NFL guy, in my opinion, from what I've watched. Now, granted, they, they've played, who did they play? They played uh, Central Michigan, and who was the one they played last week? Richmond. Richmond. So hard to take a ton from it, but just watching that guy's body of work and, and what he's been able to do, he looks special. And I think Washington's going to have their hands full trying to stop him. And I think they're going to load the box on that. And um, if they're able to get after Noah Kim, I think Washington's got a chance to get a turnover too. And I think that's going to be the big key. And, you know, this is a no, do, no dumb moment here, but I think if Washington get two, maybe three turnovers in this game, I think they win this game relatively easily because they're going to get short. They're going to have short fields in this offense. I have a hard time seeing them be, you know, stopping guys, but I, I could just see a situation where Washington, what did they get possession wise last, last week? Was it seven possessions? 
Uh, probably more than that, but not many more. Though. Yeah, they're getting fewer possessions with the new clock rules, and I could see Michigan State shortening the game to where Washington doesn't have enough time to even score 42, 49 points. So um, I, I've got 34-28. I think Washington wins this game. They're Like you said, Chris, they're better on defense, and they're basically just as good on offense, except it's more of a passing offense than a, than a balanced offense. But um, I think Michigan State's better, too. And so we'll we'll have to wait and see. I think Washington wins this game, but like you said, Chris, I don't think they cover the spread. And by the way, just to just to just to add, what is the spread? Had, by the way, six. Well, it's been up. It's gone up. I mean, clearly it started Vegas at fourteen and a half, that, right? Yeah, clear. I think it started at about fourteen and a half, fifteen or whatever. Now it's up to I think closer to like seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say they had total nine total drives against Tulsa. Uh, average possession of each drive was three minutes and seventeen seconds. Drive success rate. 93%. Well, they're not going to be 93% drive success rate today. If but they if are, they, if, they win they going away. At, <laughs> right. But if they can stay at like 75%, they should be able to win this game. So many things make today's game intriguing with the Mel Tucker, the beer, the move to the pack uh, at the Big Ten, the grass field, um, you know, Michael Penix, the championship run, the Heisman run, just so many things that make today's game interesting. And, you know, just also, you know, getting used to what we're going to be expecting next year when, you know, uh, the school j- joins the uh, Big Ten. So uh, lots of intrigue today for sure. Um, and just for those who aren't subscribers now, just remember, if you go ahead and sign up for the full freight, the 99 bucks a year right now for dogman.com, Paramount Plus is included in your uh, subscription for those who signed up uh, under a promotion, you don't get the Paramount plus until you uh, do the full freight and you're off of the promotion. But if you've been hesitant to, wait for a promotion to sign up for dogman.com just know that if you go ahead and sign up today that paramount plus is included and you know i say tell your wife or tell your significant other that uh, you're buying her paramount plus and dogman.com is included so there's that so uh stay tuned right here we'll have complete post game coverage we'll have the podcast complete coverage nobody does it better than the guys at dogman.com so i'm kim grenolds along with chris fetters and scott eckland go dogs